Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 4, Episode 2, titled Korra Alone. Not gonna lie, this might be my favorite episode of Legend of Korra. If nothing else, it's definitely in the top three. This episode is incredible. It is an absolute masterpiece from beginning to end. And I love every single second of it. Every single scene is a work of art. Every single moment hits so perfectly, cuts so deeply. It's grounded, it's personal, it's genuinely painful. Like, it goes to a place that very few quote-unquote kid shows of this nature would ever think of touching upon. Even Avatar The Last Airbender, while it is one of the greatest shows ever made, yeah, it was mature, but It never hit on themes this poignant. It never got this visceral. It never hit as close to home as this episode does. Remember back when I was talking about this show generally, like very early on, like all the way back in like October. Remember how I was saying that... The Legend of Korra is not as consistent as Avatar The Last Airbender, but at its absolute best, it is every bit as good. I genuinely believe that this is quite possibly the only moment where Legend of Korra just surpassed Avatar The Last Airbender. If I had to choose between watching every single episode of Avatar The Last Airbender back to back to back, Or watching this episode 61 times, just on a loop. I would probably go with watching this episode 61 times. Because it's just that freaking perfect. So, we might as well just speak generally first off. Like, the arc that Korra goes through. The space in which we see Korra in this arc. And I talked about it at length. When we went into the season 3 finale. But where we explicitly see her here. Is in a place of immense pain. Immense suffering. Immense trauma. 
she has suffered this horrific experience of Zaheer poisoning her. Zaheer almost brutally murdering her. And... <laughs> There's no other words for it. Like, she has been completely sidelined. She feels violated and she feels like she's been robbed of her ability to be the Avatar, to help people the way she wants to help people, to perform her duties the way she wants to perform her duties. Like, you have everyone else back in Republic City doing these amazing things to help people the way Korra should be out there helping people and saving the world. Asami with her infrastructure deals. Mako being uh, on the police force. Uh, Bolin joining Kuvira's little army. Tenzin going around with the Air Nomads protecting everyone. Like, she is witnessing... She is being told about all these amazing things that her friends are doing, and yet, she can't even walk at the beginning of this episode. She can't even go into a fight without having a flash to Zaheer and going nuts. She's just completely down and completely out. And I love how perfectly they, they, <laughs> I'm losing the words because I'm so caught up in how great this episode is. They create this arc, they explore this arc in such a real way. Like, this is a very real, very poignant, very down-to-earth struggle that Korra goes through, that in times almost gets too real for this high-concept fantasy quote-unquote kid show. Which, by the way, I just... If anyone tries to tell you at any point in your life, oh, animation's just for kids, show them this episode. Show them the pain and visceral nature of Legend of Korra Season 4, Episode 2, because this is just a very quick way to prove those people wrong. I remember my father just l ripping into me for liking stuff like Avatar The Last Airbender, liking stuff like Legend of Korra, because, oh, you're a baby. This is just for kids. Oh, it's a kid show. Why don't you grow up and stop watching these kid shows? And it's just like, you watch an episode like this, and it could not be further from the truth. Especially when you get into those healing sessions with Katara, where Korra is going through these very real, by the way, recovery methods uh, for people who have had a very impaired mobility. People who have been, uh, who have had their mobility stripped for them. People who have been... Uh, attacked or people who have gone through uh, severe illnesses that have forced them to remain in like the sedentary state in a wheelchair like what you see 
with Korra in this episode is, like, the genuine, like, real recovery methods, aside from the magic healing stuff, the genuine real recovery methods that people go through in the real world. Uh, particularly the two bars for support, try and take one little step type deal. Like, it hits a nerve. And it's just so painful to witness, especially someone so strong, who has done so much, who has been so fierce, like Korra has been for several seasons now, uh, to witness this great hero, to witness this amazing woman who has pushed through all these difficulties, now failing to even walk from one side of the room to the other. It, it's painful. It really, really is. And you see Korra sort of fail at this over and over and over again and keep having more and more and more difficulties. And she gets so frustrated and starts yelling at Katara and says these incredibly hurtful things. And Katara, in one of the greatest moments in this entire series, relates Korra's struggles to Aang. Katara flat out says to Korra, like, you're not the first Avatar to go through a trauma. How do you think Aang felt when he found out that his entire culture was wiped out? And then over time, Korra is able to walk. Korra is able to recover physically. But the problem is, the physical wounds are not the only thing. Uh, the physical wounds are not the only thing that has impaired Korra. Technical difficulties, apologies for that, uh, but as I was saying, the biggest wounds that Korra has suffered are mental. She is having, like, very severe PTSD. Like I said earlier, Zaheer violated her with that poison. Almost defeated her. And even though he technically lost, succeeded in putting her out of commission. Quite brutally. And taking away the thing she treasures most, which is her ability to be the Avatar. Her ability to help the world. Her ability to be on the front lines, be in the center of the action. So the rest of the episode is her dealing with this mental struggle in a really, in a really effective very painful, I keep using the same words over and over and over again, because there's really no other way to describe this episode, in a very painful way. Uh, I especially love this sparring session that she goes into with Tenzin watching, where she's fighting these three firebenders, and she's like, come on, fight me, I can take it. And she's fighting them, and you kind of get this callback to, like, very early on in the series, like, Literally the first moments of Legend of Korra. 
You get this wonderful callback. And you feel like, yes, Korra's back in her prime. And then... She gets flashes to Zaheer. And... Gets her ass kicked immediately. And Tenzin kinda... Goes on this feel... This spiel of be patient. Uh, you'll... You'll be back to 100% in time. It's totally fine. Like, be proud of the progress you've made. These things, like, no one's expecting you to rush things. Like, just take the time you need to make a full recovery. But this isn't what Korra wants to hear because she's experiencing this profound inability to do what she wants, what she feels like she needs to do. Like, she is the Avatar. She has to be out there maintaining peace. And yet she can't. So she just keeps spiraling and spiraling into this depression. Spiraling into this abyss. Uh, and it only gets worse when she reads letter after letter after letter after letter after letter from uh, Asami and Mako and Bolin. And I especially love how she reads these letters and then eventually after a couple years decides that she wants to write back, not to Mako, not to Boleyn, but to Asami. And to hear her go on this monologue in her head as she's writing this letter, to hear this letter being read by Korra's in her monologue as she writes it out, like, it's genuinely heartbreaking it really really is when she's recounting how like the last two years of her life have been the hardest ever it's genuinely heartbreaking to go through also the fact that she decided to write to asami is interesting as well we'll talk about this more we'll talk about this more over the next couple weeks just saying. But then, she leaves the, the Southern Water Tribe. She goes away. She travels to Republic City, quote-unquote, or at least that's what she says. But in reality, she just goes on this journey throughout the entire world, trying to remain secluded and trying to sort of fight through the pain. And you kind of see the beginnings of this when she stops for food and then tries to take out some bandits and fails miserably. Like, she can't even do that. She can't even do something so simple as to take out two nothing thugs. That's how affected she's been. That's how out of commission she is. And that does not do anything for her. And that's when, as we saw in the last episode, she sort of changes her appearance and just travels the world as just some nobody. She goes to the spirit world, tries to meditate in the Tree of Time, and fails at that and has this very heartbreaking conversation with some spirits where she's like, yeah, I, everyone said they want to help me, but nothing's worked. I can't do it anymore. Uh, she travels into all these locations. As she's 
recounting this letter she wrote to her parents as if she's in Republic City, which she's not. Uh, she goes into the desert and has this hallucination of Rava. Has this mirage of Rava. Like, for a second, she thinks, okay, yes, I can get this instant better thing by having Rava back in me. And then it turns out that was a hallucination. And then we keep following her and following her all the way up to where we saw her in the last episode, where she was in that earthbending ring, fighting, fighting in this pit match. And we kind of see that fight again, but from her point of view, where she was not fighting some random earthbender person, she was fighting her avatar spirit that sort of haunted her this entire time. She's literally fighting her own inner demons. She's literally fighting her own inner turmoil. And that fight becomes so much more impactful when you realize that that's what was going on in her own head, which leads us to these flash-forwards that we sort of had throughout the entire thing where she was randomly showing up, like randomly finding this Avatar spirit everywhere else and trying to fight it and failing and kind of going nuts and finds this dog who can see the spirit and then the dog guides her to the swamp. The swamp, by the way. That is the swamp. And... We find out that that dog is the spirit she communicated with in the spirit world, in in the Tree of Time. So she's in this swamp now, and we get our brilliant ending. Where Korra has this full-blown fight with her Avatar spirit. She loses. She gets dragged down into this pit of poison. And then she wakes up with Toth. Korra has found Toph. Yes! <laughs> we have old lady Toph, and she has not changed a bit. Uh, we have that final line of, good to see you again, Twinkle Toes. And it's so good. It's so freaking good, and I love literally everything about it. And that's where it ends. Uh, So we'll talk more about Korra's recovery as this season goes on, but holy crap, this episode is brilliant. Holy crap, this episode is absolutely extraordinary. I forgot how brilliant it was, but it really is just... It really is, like, the best that this world has to offer storytelling-wise. The best that this world has to offer thematically speaking it's so freaking fantastic and so hard-hitting and so extraordinary i love it so much uh if you like this favorite the podcast anchor.fm slash tv archives so that you can be here every single monday through friday as i go through every single episode of this and other shows and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button 
on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledged just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 4, Episode 3. Talk to you then.